for your fellow church members. I want you to pray for this community. I want you to pray for folk you meet on the street. You might not even know their name. But prayer gets very, very real when instead of all those folk you're praying for, it's you who needs the prayer. That's when we get really, really intimate with the Lord. When you, you pray and you say, it's not them anymore this time, God. It's me. It's me. And I'm standing, standing in the need of this prayer. And I guarantee you that he'll listen to you. He'll hear you. He'll hear what you have to say. Don't be afraid to talk to them. And that's what we're learning about this month as we concentrate on prayer. We're teaching about prayer this month. Uh, sermons are focused on prayer. Not only are our sermons focused on prayer, our Bible study is focused on prayer, the basics of prayer. You never learn how to pray. You see people talk about prayer and hear them talk about prayer all the time, but it may be something that intimidates you because you think you have to do it the way someone else did it, or sound the way somebody else said it, say the words that someone else said. And I, I came to tell you that it, it doesn't include any of that. No, no, no. You don't have to have any particular form or fashion. You just need to know how to talk to the Lord. Conversation like I'm having with you right now. The more you do it, the easier it is for you to do it. So don't be intimidated. Intimidated by it. I want to echo one thing that was in our announcements that I think is important, particularly at this time of year. There is an event that's going to happen this Saturday at Boutwell Auditorium. It's going to be conducted by an organization that is, and the guest speaker is a well-renowned doctor by the name of Brian Stone. Brian has figured out, rightfully so, that the research that we do many times into medicines and therapies that we use the research is done without people who look like me and you. So the medicines are not culturally sensitive enough. He thinks that there needs to be a push, and he's using his platform to inform our communities of the need for us to be involved in those kinds of research opportunities. I know we have a natural inhibition because of the history in our community, but they're going to make, they're going to make, a drug on blood pressure. We need to have black folk in that study. All right. They're going to make some drugs on diabetes. We need to have black people or people of color in that study because you know and I know that drugs act differently in different people. And if you don't know that, I'm telling you they do. They're just like genes fit different on you, what happens on the outside happens on the inside too. Gloria told y'all them Vanderbilt jeans wasn't made for y'all. No matter how much you try to pull yourself in, you better go get you some Levi. Just like Gloria Vanderbilt jeans wasn't made for you, them other jeans ain't made for you. The gene therapy ain't made for you. So make sure you go and get it. Uh, participate in it and go and listen if having a great forum, lunch will be provided at the Boutwell Auditorium. So clearly they're investing a lot of time and energy in this. And I 
urge you to go. It's free. It's free. If you find yourself wanting to know more about it, then please go down. And we thank God for Brian Stone and what he's doing. Um, um, God bless you today. Today, we're on our next level in our sermon series called Dangerous Prayers. Dangerous Prayers. And I want you to turn to uh, what I consider one that is absolutely um, tough to pray. All right. Psalms 139. You know it. You've heard it. You've heard it. You've heard the last part of, the, of, the, of it if you haven't heard the whole thing. Psalms 139. And I want to lift two verses out of it to tell you where we're going with this, but then I need to give you a little background on where it's coming from. It's a psalm of David, not that every psalm is, but this one is. And verse 23 reads, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts, and then see if there's anything wicked in me, then lead me in the way everlasting. Message Bible says, investigate my life, O Lord. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm all about. And see for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. One of the things that's interesting about this prayer is the context that it's found in. David saying in this passage of scripture that, you know, God, it would be good if you just kind of got rid of all the folk who don't do right by you. Yeah, especially the murderer and the ones who take your name in vain and talk bad about you. This is David having this conversation with the Lord. He said, in fact, he says, I can't stand people who take your name in vain. And he, 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 there's a sermon I jumped out as I was preparing this, a sermon title jumped out. Verse 22, he said, I hate them with perfect hatred. Complete hate. Is what that means. Complete hate. And he said, I count them my enemies. Why? Not because they've done anything to me, but because of what they do to you. You know that you all hate the things that God hates. That's important. But some of us are enamored by the things that God hates. So how can you be in fellowship with him when you embrace the things that he does not like. So be, be mindful in this scripture 
that David has identified that there are people and things that are absolutely against God. He's lifting them up in this prayer to God. He says, I hate them completely. And then all of a sudden, just as if he had a moment of clarity while he's going in on the folk who hate God, we get to the end of this, of this psalm and David said, but wait a minute. While I'm going in on them, I need you to check me out and see if there's something going on in me that might not be appropriate. He says, I need a self-check. It's almost as if he's driving down the road of self-righteousness in his vehicle and all of a sudden he offered a check engine light come on and says there's something going on here. He needs a diagnostic checkup from the Lord. And that's why we want to talk about search me. Search me. Hmm. We test things. We check things all the time. I bet I can bring some, some fear in you. Some of y'all are young enough to remember when you were in school, teacher would give you a test and you were so happy at the end of the test, Jessica, when she said, you're going to grade it yourself. Yeah. Woo. I'm going to do all right. <laughs> When I graded myself. Different story when she gives you the test and she says, not only do I want you to turn it in so I can grade it. This is a death nail, especially for these math teachers. When they say, show your work. Oh, show my work. Because many times I can get to the answer. But I had to go through the alley to get to the answer. And I get the answer right and the way wrong. <laughs> I ain't figured out the way on some of them answers yet. I'm just going to be honest with you. Maybe you've forgotten that. Maybe you've been out of school enough, but maybe, maybe this will help you. How about those of you, you ever had an x-ray? Anybody in here ever had to have an x-ray? Yeah, you know what an x-ray does, an x-ray is a machine that allows people who know how to read those x-rays, know how to read them, to look at hard substances in your body. See if things are amiss in your body. But then they also have a computed tomography test. Maybe you know that by the name of CT scan or a CAT scan, and a computed tomography allows them to go in and not see hard substances, but to see soft substances. Computed tomography test, you've seen it on TV. Some of you probably don't like it, and your doctors have to prepare you before you go if you've ever had to get one, because it's the machine they slide you in. And then it takes layered pictures of you. That's what it's doing. Taking layered pictures of you. 
so it can see you not just one dimensionally, but in multi dimension. Yeah. We are comfortable in the realm of getting things examined from a physical standpoint. And even as difficult as it is for them to examine you and find out the things about tissues and find out the things about organs that can't be seen, all these soft issues, we have the technology that can do that now. But what about spiritual checkups? What do we have that can give us a spiritual checkup? What can you do so that your emotions can be examined? Not just your emotions, your, your, your motives about things. How can they be examined? I'm here to tell you Psalms 139 is your spiritual diagnostic checkup. When you find yourself in a, motion, in, a, in a situation, check into rule 139 of Psalms. All right, and prepare yourself for the master physician. Yeah to examine you thoroughly and completely when you say to him, Lord, search me. Search me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. See, because a whole lot of folk deceive themselves concerning their relationship. Uh oh, I don't want to step on any toes right now, but, but I, I wonder if there's anybody here who kind of prays with their back turned. As if you can hide something from God. That he can't see over your shoulder. What you're praying about. In other words, you got something going on in your life over here. But you kind of try to guard it when you're praying to God. As if God still doesn't see. Can I tell you, he already knows the magic trick. You can hide your hand. There is no sleight of hand that gets around God. He knows what's going on. And yet we pray, y'all don't want to hear me this morning, we pray guarded. No, 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 no. Let me go and say this the right way. We pray lying to ourselves that God doesn't know what's going on. But can I tell you, if you really want to pray, then you need to start confessing. Because he already knows and he's just waiting to hear you say it. You, you ever been in that situation where you've done something at the house and you walked around for days on end trying to hide it from everybody? You finally get up enough courage to go tell your mama or your daddy what you did. They already knew it. But what they were waiting on was for you to come and tell them they needed you to mature enough. So that you could come and have that conversation because a good parent, even today, a good parent is not going to rush in all the way because they cut the lesson short. And what they want you to know is that you can trust me. Even in those situations where things have been bad, things have been really bad, you're embarrassed, you're ashamed, you can still trust me and come talk to me. And I'm not going to love you any less, but I believe I can help you get through this mess you find yourself in if you'll just come have a conversation with me. But I'll wait as long as you will. Big brothers and big sisters have terrorized younger siblings who have gotten in trouble behind this very concept. Oh, yeah, they catch them doing something that they know they shouldn't be doing, and they do what you ain't never really supposed to say, but I did. 
I'm going to tell on you. And they say, please don't. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Okay. There you go. There's the hook. All right, you're going to wash dishes for the next six years. And when mama asks you why you washing dishes, even when it ain't your time, you better tell her because you love washing dishes. Mama comes in after about two months of you washing dishes and asks you, uh, why? I thought you loved watching Good Time. Well, you know, this is my era. I, I thought you loved that TV show. Why don't you ever watch the TV show? You always in here watching washing dishes and you say to her, I love washing dishes, mama. Then <laughs> you just fed up when you say, mama, I broke that mirror the other day. And when I broke it, Donnell saw me. And she says, I know. <laughs> I knew that day. <laughs> I just waiting on you to come say something to me about it. And that's how God is now. Now, now know this about God. Everybody has some knowledge. Every human has some knowledge. God is the only one who knows everything. He's omniscient. Even people down here have a little power, authority. But God is the only one who has all power. He's omnipotent. We can be in different places at one time. Can we? With these Telephones we can, all right? We have limited sphere on how we can be there personally. But God is omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. That's what this scripture is all about. You who know everything, you who provide everything, you who can be everywhere at one time, you're the one I want to do an inspection on me. I want you to check me out. And so he goes through and he says to the Lord, Lord, search me. Now, now know this. If you've read the scripture, if you've set up there right now and scanned it and refamiliarized yourself, you see at the very beginning in verse one, David says, Lord, you've searched me. He starts out saying, Lord, you already inspected me. But what he's saying now is keep on searching me. Let, let it be an ongoing inspection of what's going on, not a one time. And I need you to know this now. When it comes to the inspection that's going forward, you're not a witness. You are the person that's being inspected. Yeah, that, that, this is crucial that you know this. We're the focus of the inspection because sometimes our testimony is a little bit different. It's different when they are, the police come around and they ask you questions about somebody else. That when they come around and they say, you're, you're the suspect. And you find yourself in a situation where you say, well, I don't know. I, I don't think I need to say anything. If this is one of those situations where you need to say something. You need to tell the inspector, the Lord, what's going on. You ask him to search you. That means to probe. Search out. Explore investigate, investigate what's going on. I call Luke the investigative reporter of the New Testament. He was a doctor, a physician by training. 
But you can tell by his writing, since he wasn't at any of the pivotal events that we know of, that he had to do some investigative reporting in order to put the things in his verses that he writes. He couldn't have been there when Mary became impregnated by the Holy Spirit. He couldn't have been there when she went through all the events of her pregnancy. He couldn't have been there when they went to Bethlehem and she delivered. He couldn't have been there. And yet he writes such intimate words about Mary. He said she learned these things and she hid them in her heart. How do you go know what somebody hid in their heart? Unless they tell you and you ask probing questions about it. I came to tell you that sometimes in your prayer life, you need to be probed about what's going on. You need to be thoroughly inspected. And so you say, Lord, please search me. And then you say to him, David says this, know my heart. Let me ask you this question. Don't look around. Don't even blink twice. Do you know your heart? Do you know your heart? Who has your heart right now? Who have you given your heart to? Who has not treated it well? And now you guard it. You protect it so fiercely. And you wouldn't dare give it to anybody else. Can I tell you this? This is the, this is the, un, this is the, the fact that I have to tell anybody that's been in love and been hurt, that's been taken advantage of and not appreciated, the same degree of trust you used when you gave it to the person who did not appreciate it, you're going to have to build the courage to give it to somebody else the same way. If you don't, then you'll never fully know what that love is. And you're not being fair to this person. Now that's what's scary because we're going to guard our hearts and we don't want to be hurt again. But you got to take that risk. And if you want to have a full relationship with the Lord, then you got to be able to confess and open yourself up. But in order to do that, you got to know, know your heart. The writer is exposing himself. You want to know how David exposes himself to the Lord? It's not just some 139, you can go to a number of Psalms, but you really want to go to it, go to Psalm 51. Yeah. David exposes himself after being confronted about one of the worst series of decisions he made in his life. He exposes himself to the Lord. And he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart, because the one I got in me right now is wicked. The one I got in me right now is selfish. The one I got in me right now will kill a man to take his wife, creating me a clean heart and renew with them. And because he, he said, when I was in the sheepfold, I had a right spirit. I followed you everywhere you wanted to go. But somehow from the sheepfold to the palace, something got in me, Lord. Now maybe you need to refer back to that point in time when you knew you had a pure thought about somebody. Then something came along and sullied it and spoiled it and you need to know yourself enough to know that that happens. Sometimes you look at yourself in the mirror and you're just disgusted by what you see. Not because you're an awful person, but because you keep lying to yourself about what you see there. You can't stand in front of this 
spiritual CAT scan and lie. Because the doctor can see everything. He knows everything. We've been saying it in song all along. Jesus knows all about our struggles. You might be hiding it from everybody else. You might be fooling everybody else. And you get to the place where you're doing so good at just fooling everybody else that you actually start deceiving yourself. Everybody else thinks you got it together, but you don't. I always refer to this. One of the best commercials I ever seen. They pan in on the man. He got the beautiful house. You look in the driveway, the car was sitting there all nice and shiny. See the kids running around. House is finally appointed. They pan to him in the backyard. He's standing there by the pool and he's putting some water in the uh, uh, watering something over in his flower bed. And he's standing there just smiling. And he says, somebody help me. <laughs> I'm drowning in debt. <laughs> yeah, from every appearance, everything is going right with him. And yet he ain't Really fooling nobody. I'm glad y'all got these masks on. Because somebody in here knows this. Somebody in here has been fooling other folk. Trying to make them think that everything is all right. But you and I know that if that mask came off, and I ain't talking about the material that's on your face. I'm talking about the mask you put on to come in here. To let everybody know that everybody think that everything is okay. You know you're just lying to yourself, but you can't fool God. And this psalmist wrote, know my heart. I want you to know my heart. And then he said something else. You ought to hear me on this. He said, test me. Woo! Test me. You know what it means to test, right? See if I'm roadworthy. That's what you do when you go out and get a new car. Who's going to buy a new car and not get in and drive it? Not advisable. Don't do it. You even test out new clothes before you buy. Yeah, you go in and try it on. See if it fits me. Yeah, just because it's got a certain size in it don't mean that's really your size. So you need to test it. Before they give you a driver's license, they give you a what? A test. Yeah. Really, before they let you get married, they ought to give you a what? <laughs> a test. You know I'm right about it. Yeah, yeah. But some of us didn't start studying until after. We even test people before we let them in college. We do. I tell people this all the time. I tell young folks this. If they let you in, that means they think you can get out. If they let you in. Getting in on the ones that test. Now, not every college tests before they get in. Some, some colleges have open admissions policies because of the population they serve. That creates barriers because it lets people think who have not necessarily been succeeding that they are. And it's only when life starts coming at them, they start interviewing, <laughs> they start hitting some of that subject matter that's really, really difficult, that they realize they weren't quite as prepared as they were. Sam, tell them I'm right, because that's why so many folk have to take remedial classes when they get to school. 
and you realize your high school diploma didn't really have all the oomph that it needed. And so they really start repeating 13th grade and freshman year in college. Some of y'all parents need to know that. Make sure your children are getting what they're supposed to get out of high school. Or as you'll be paying for that when they go to school. And now a four-year degree suddenly becomes a five-year degree only because they're doing the 12th grade in freshman year in college. That's what's been happening. And can I tell you, college tuition is too expensive to be staying in there any longer. <laughs> then you need to get everything you can out of the free. Or you go and have to pay for it. Not only do I want you to know my heart and test me, Lord, I need you to know my thoughts. Do you know your thoughts? Anybody like me have to shut your thoughts off sometimes? Huh? You find yourself in a situation you ought to be thinking a certain way, and all of a sudden there's an invasive thought that comes in, and you have to literally shut it down because it has the propensity of getting you off track that day. I know I ain't the only one in here who experiences this. Yeah, I, I know I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one sitting at work in the middle of the day thinking about at home that night. Sitting in a meeting, my mind started wandering. Yeah, I wonder what I'm going to eat. <laughs> Later tonight, uh, I wonder what I'm going to watch on TV. Later tonight, but what I'm not doing is paying attention to somebody that's sitting in front of me and they say, did you hear what I said? I have to stop myself. And I'm just telling you the PG stuff. Now, there's some other stuff. Come on now, let's be grown. I'm just telling you the stuff that I can put in public consumption because I know there's some thoughts that come in that are invasive that will snatch your attention and have you thinking in a way that you perhaps shouldn't think. But we don't talk to folk about this. Can I tell you, God knows. God knows those thoughts. He understands when you're diverted. And let me tell you this. One difference between the enemy and God is that God is omniscient. He knows everything. The devil, the enemy is not omniscient. He cannot read your mind and thoughts, but he can watch you. Can watch you. He knows. Every time you go and Dunkin' Donuts, you get the chocolate ice. He knows. Why you think when and they come to, to, to work, there's always extra chocolate ice in the basket because he wants you to be thinking that way. That's how he is. He can't direct you because he knows everything, but he can suggest to you. And he does. He's the master of illusion. And he'll direct you to the things that do not help you. And you'll find yourself. Now, now I said donuts. But that could easily be if you like short women. Oh, yeah. If you're a man and your wheelhouse is short women, guess who's going to keep parading in front of you? Oh, y'all know I'm right. If you, if you like them thug-looking men, you're going to find yourself. UPS man going to come up. What up? I got a package for you. That's what's going to happen. Because the enemy knows what's in your wheelhouse. All right, I'll let you later. They know. 
And so you have to say, know my thoughts. Know my thoughts. Guess what's in your thoughts? Because this is important. The writer says, dig deeper than the surface. Yeah, God, people hear your words, but God knows your motive behind the word. Yeah, when you when you say to somebody, uh, 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 when you say to somebody, have a nice day. Oh, good to see you today. But really, what you're thinking is, get out of my face. People hear. People hear this. They hear, have a nice day. But God knows, get out of my face. You need to understand how deeply he goes. You can't hide from him. You can't hide from him. You can put on this, the face that people love, and God is not fooled by what's going on. Why? Because he knows your thoughts. And then he says, the writer says, and see if there's any offensive way. Oh, my Lord. It's frightening to me. Any offensive way. Self-renunciation, anything offensive, any sin that's unpardoned, any evil disposition that I have, the things that I don't even like to talk about myself. Yeah, the Mr. Jekyll that's in me. I'm always trying to show folk the Dr. Hyde. I'm always trying to show folk the good. And yet I got a Mr. Jekyll living right below the surface. And I hope that it's not too dated. No, too dated a... Uh, uh, an example. What is it? Gremlins and whatever. Yeah, somebody put some water on your gremlin. Yeah, not the little furry. Yeah, not that one. And somebody fed you after midnight. Oh, that's a generation in who knows what happened. That's when the gremlins come out. Yes. And he said, you cannot feed them after midnight because that's when, yeah, anything offensive in me, anything offensive. Have you ever gone somewhere and saw a person that you knew and have known for a long time and you know them in one aspect, but you get into a different set of circumstances and you think, I don't, who, what in the world? You speak to them and they look at you like they don't even know who you are. You the same dude that you had your hand in my lady's potato chip bag earlier today. But now you act like you don't know who I am. Sometimes people put on a face for us. And then they get to be somebody completely different. Or maybe they're just being their true self. It makes you start wondering what is. Is there any grievous way, Lord? Is there any hurtful way? Is there any wicked, anything that offends? If it's in me. If it's in me, Lord, I'm asking you, search me, find it, let me know. Give me the opportunity to apologize and ask for your mercy. Because if it is, I want to change it. And then the last thing is this. And then he says this, be courageous enough to do it. Lead me, Lord. Once you find all this stuff out about me, lead me. Guide me in the way that you would have me to go. Take me in the direction that you would have me to go in, not necessarily the way I want to go. We got a, got a car. The car been driving for a long time. Notice that when you're driving down the street, you can you got a good car that's got a good alignment. You can technically take your hand off the wheel and the car keep going straight. Now, that don't necessarily mean the road is straight. That's why you got to drive. All right, because even though the road 
I mean, even though the car will go straight, it's going to keep straight in the line, but you got to keep it on the road. All right. And keep it in the line. But if you got a car and you take your hand off Tyrone and it pulls to the right, your car's out of alignment. Some of us got a life that's out of alignment. All right. Out of alignment. And when we when we when we don't let the driver of our life, maybe it depends on who is driving. When we don't let the Lord guide us, then we might pull to the right. And the right will get you in trouble because you're going to crash into something eventually that pulls far enough. And can I tell you, you need to ask the Lord to lead me. Lord, I'm taking my hand. When a famous country song, take the wheel, Lord. Jesus, take the wheel. Let him drive for you. That's a scary thing because you think you're taking yourself in the right direction. But can I say Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Write it down. Go study it. That's your nugget and your bonus for the day. Go find out what it says if you don't know right now. I'm not going to even quote it because I want you to say, aha, when you read it. All right, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. That should be your guide for how the Lord leads your life. Lead me, Lord. Direct me. Guide me in the way you would have me to go. But more importantly, he says, the last thing is this. In the way everlasting. Now you can fool yourself about a lot of things, but don't fool yourself about whether or not you're going to the way everlasting. Don't fool yourself about knowing the destination at the end. Lead me to success. Lead me to marriage. Lead me to fatherhood. Lead me to being a good person in the community. But Lord, Lord, please lead me to the way everlasting. Don't let me go nowhere else. I need to go. To the eternal place, Lord. And I need to know what the eternal place is. And I got to tell you this. It's simple. That there is one way to get to it. And that way is through his son, Jesus Christ. He said, not only am I God's son. He said, I am the way. I am the way. And no matter what anybody else tells you, he said, I am the truth. You need to follow him. And here's direction. And can I tell you, there are people who will come and tell you that there are a whole lot of ways to get to him. Well, they may say that, but this book doesn't say that. All right? This book doesn't tell you. And we fool ourselves when we think all roads lead to heaven. That's a lie. The Bible specifically says that there's a way unto man that seems right. But the end thereof is destruction. Narrow is the way. And ain't but one gate to go through. I came to tell you today, he's the one. He not only is the gatekeeper, he's the gate. You got to go through him. And it's because of him. There's a false way. There's a broad way. The broad way is not the way. No, it's the narrow way. And how can I be sure? Because Jesus said, I am the way. And so if you've never accepted the gift that's been given to you, if you've never accepted the gift of eternal life, everlasting way, then today is the day I want to extend that invitation to you. I want to tell you that you can get to the everlasting way through Jesus Christ. You can get to the everlasting way if you accept the fact that he lived for you and he died for you. You can get to the everlasting way if you accept God's gift of eternal love. Through Jesus Christ. And so I extend to you. If you've never made that acknowledgement. Today you realize Jesus 
died for me and I want to accept that gift, then the opportunity is here for you today to make that acknowledgement. We do it two ways. The first way is if I've never made a public acknowledgement of this, then I say I would like to make that acknowledgement and a celebration of that will baptize you. Let the world know that you stepped over the line. That invitation is extended to you. And then the other way we do it is if you have previously made that acknowledgement and now what you want to do is have yourself in the church family that can help you grow, then the invitation extended to you as well. The doors of our church are open for either one of those situations. Whosoever uh, will, let them come right now while the choir sings this song. Mm -hmm.